I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. And this week, we're talking about creating some December optimism. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. This is episode 493. And this week, back again with us is Mark Kenyon. Now, Mark, uh, you've been giving us some deer reports from across the country so far this year, but I don't think we've gotten one from you this far south. So tell us where you were and what you were seeing in the field. Yeah, buddy, I was in the great state of Alabama, which, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the farthest south. Uh, man, that might be the farthest south I've ever hunted. Um, so it's pretty cool. Was in Alabama last week, got back over the weekend, uh, saw, you know, in that part of Alabama, Alabama and a lot of the South is kind of funky with the rut being different times in different places. But where I was at, it was just about peak rut. I mean, we were seeing, I was seeing bucks cruising is what I was seeing. I saw a good number of bucks cruising, um, definitely on the search. There was a good amount of sign, a lot of rubs and scrapes. So the kind of stuff that I would, you know, be expecting to see in late October or early November, but I was seeing, you know, the 9th, 10th of Al- or 9th, 10th of December. So that was cool. Um, I didn't see any chasing, but one of the other guys in camp, uh, he did see some chasing. So chasing, seeking, cruising, all that kind of ruddy stuff is happening in Alabama right now. So that was cool. Um, and then I also hunted twice in Michigan. When I got home from Alabama, so this was just a couple days ago, and in Michigan, you know, it's definitely late season. So these deer are all on corn, hitting corn really heavy right now, you know, cut corn, waste grain on the ground. Um, have seen some bucks still sparring. I've got trail camera pictures of one of my target bucks, basically my only target buck that's left in Michigan now. He was fighting with another buck just two, three nights ago. Um, so there's still that kind of fun happening out there in the woods but mostly here in michigan and i'm thinking most of the midwest it's back to a food situation these deer are trying to stay alive they're bedded back in sanctuaries away from people and they're getting on the best high energy food source so that's what i've seen um a decent amount of deer movement in michigan i'd give it like a six and a half to yeah, six and a half probably um while in alabama you know the the baseline's different 
but it, from what I was gathering from Parker, the guy I was down there with, you know, it was pretty good for Alabama. So maybe like a maybe like a seven or eight by Alabama standards. Yeah, it's funny you say that this was your most southern report ever, um, and that you acknowledge that the South kind of has a funky uh, rut, even within the same state. You can have you know three to four different rut phases happening in a state like Louisiana, Alabama, Texas. Um, but I just did my, uh, I, now I'm going to give you my most Southern rut report ever as well. I was in Texas for the last week, um, hunting a, a property. I got permission on by writing some letters and I killed a buck on the last day of the hunt, but everything up until that point, including that hunt, um, was very crepuscular in that part of Texas. They have a rut that is similar to what you'd experience in the Midwest. So we are well beyond peak rut there. Um, maybe saw a little bit of secondary rut action happening, but everything was pretty well bed to food, bed to food. And then because it was so hot when I was down there, and this is something that I think can even apply to hunters like in, in the opposite part of the country, as far north as you can get in the United States, um, where water became a factor. And, and it was a factor for me because it was like, 82 degrees for a high down there, but I think it can be a factor in a place like Northern Minnesota. Um, when you have ice developing on some of these like stagnant bodies of water, um, then all of a sudden, like one of the things that a whitetail absolutely needs is water and it becomes a, a limiting factor. So I think water setups in mid December can be an underrated part of any whitetail setup. So what was, can you give me more detail on the setup that ultimately led to that kill? Um, Man, it was just bouncing around a lot. The deer was coming into a green food source. The The property had some perennial food plots that were largely weeds at this point and, and uh, hadn't been manicured or, or touched in years probably. So they just kind of kept going on their own. But for the most part, where I was seeing the best movement and where I ended up killing this buck was just on a very green food source, um, which I think, again, can be relevant regardless of what part of the country you're in green food sources can really attract deer this time of year, especially in big numbers. Yeah. You know, one thing I've seen, and this isn't a rule, this, this is hit or miss, but if I had to point to some kind of tendency when it came to those food sources, at least in Michigan, and I think a lot of the upper great lakes, when it's like gnarly cold, like very, very, very frigid cold and snowy, the deer tend to hit the, you know, cut corn field, cut bean fields they're on those grains. When it's a little bit warmer, in December, when it gets into those slightly more mild days, they really seem to turn to the to the green. So for me, like on one of these properties, I've got an old clover plot. I've got some some grains and clovers and another green plot. And they tend to hit those a little bit more when you've got those unseasonably slightly warmer temperatures. So that's a little something that I'll key in. And when I'm trying to choose where to hunt, if I don't have any other clue pointing me in one direction or another, that temperature will kind of point me in where I want to focus, where I think there might be just a little bit more activity um, on days like that. So I don't know. That's one thing I've seen. Yeah, no no shocker that for a lot of the whitetail range right now, they are thinking with their stomachs. And so that's, that's a theme that you hear in our conversations this week, um, whether it be some natural browse or it, it be a food plot in an area that otherwise is sort of a food desert. And here we talk to you is Garrett Hykus from Chasing the Dream TV in Nebraska, Josh Genthy from Cut 4 Outdoors in North Carolina, Luke Thorkelson in Texas from Weatherby, and Kevin Vistason from the Deer Hunter podcast in Michigan. I like it. So let me ask you one last thing before we wrap this up, Spencer. In general, 
how do our guests feel about this coming week? Because I, I bring that up. I ask that because there's a lot of people probably listening now that kind of feel like there's this, ah, it's done. You know, the best is behind me. Mm-hmm. Is that where everyone's at? Is that where you're at? Is that where the people we talk to are at? Or is there hope? Is there hope still? Is there reason to be excited to still get out in the woods? When it comes to um, rutting activity, you'll hear some pessimism or maybe not pessimism, but what you'd expect for mid-December. You may catch some spikes from secondary rutting, um, but for the most part, evening hunts are superior and uh, bucks have now moved their bedding to be closer to food sources, that kind of thing. Um, but where you do hear some optimism, what gets some of the people that we talked to this week excited is that it looks like for the Midwest and, and the East Coast and the West that there is some approaching cold weather and storms um, coming up that may take us you know, all the way into Christmas. And so if, if people um, have very obvious food sources that they want to be hunting this time of year, I think for right now, a lot of the whitetail range, it's been very mild weather lately. So if we can get a few inches of snow or, or some uh, days where you have consecutive highs that are around freezing, that's going to get people excited. And you hear that from some of our guests this week. I'll tell you what, I still, I'm still feeling hopeful. There's, there's time left. And I'll tell you one thing, you get that cold, like you mentioned, and if you can find those sanctuaries, if you can find those little holes that bucks go into to get away from all the people. Now, you know, that's the one particularly good thing about this time of year is that deer are much more, much more concentrated, right? In September or October or November, deer can be all over the place. There's great food everywhere. There's cover everywhere. They haven't been bothered. Now you get to this time of year, food is rare, cover is rare, and people have been bugging the heck out of them. So there's only a couple little spots in any general region that deer know they can be safe. You can find those little safe spots. You're going to find them all. You're going to find a bunch of deer. So, man, keep the faith because they're out there and you can get on them. And if you find one of those little hidey holes, you can have some really good hunting. I dig the optimism, Mark. I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, buddy. All right. And joining us on the line next is Garrett Hykus from Chasing the Dream TV in Nebraska. Now, Garrett, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? This past week or less less than a week, it's probably been about a four or five. It's been a little slower. The week before was pretty hot with second rut activity, so then I would have said seven or eight on a couple of the days I had. Now, you just killed a giant buck in Nebraska. I think you said it's the biggest one you've ever killed on that property. Why did you want to be there, and why did that buck want to be in that spot? Um, I think a lot of it was just bedding and then doe travel. Um, I'd been seeing a decent amount of second rutting activity that week. Um, kind of hung a stand for that buck specifically um had a little bit of history with him just one set of pictures last year in the beginning of december and then this year uh end of october i was just doing some scouting for a couple of my other bucks that were uh taking a different route to our plot and i was doing an observation sit and saw a big buck with splits come up over the ridge too from the river bottom and figured it had to be the one from last year so uh moved cameras around got handful of pictures of him throughout the month and then uh the last last week of October or November and the first week of December, he started showing up more and I narrowed down his travel, um, kind of found where they were coming down in, into the bedding. And it's kind of just some big burned cedar draws, um, had a fire there like 10 years ago and they just filter their way through that, but they hang around quite a bit in the morning and come up and feed for a couple hours in the evening before they actually head up and out through the open to the plot. Um, 
So I was just kind of narrowing down on that and ended up bumping him out of the pocket that I killed him in not quite a week before. So I hung a stand and kind of did the bump and dump technique. And I think I killed him on the fourth sit. And I also had him there um, on the first sit, just didn't come into range. And what food sources are relevant right now in Nebraska? We just have an acre and a half plot of brassicas that they've been hitting really hard, uh, basically from the middle of October all the way till now. They're really hitting it since we got this colder snap. Um, and then we've got uh, alfalfa fields along our other area and then a brassica plot there too. Um, so we don't really have much corn or beans or anything like that around. So, I mean, some of our properties, a lot of it really is just natural movement through natural browse. I mean, our, our plot uh, near where I killed this buck is the only food source besides natural browse for, I think, two and a half to three miles probably. You mentioned that you've been moving some cameras around right now. This time of year, are you putting all those cameras on your food sources? Um, I've got three spread out across our acre and a half plot on the food source, but the rest of them are still kind of on that rut travel. Um, and then got a couple in bedding areas just on, on licking branches just to kind of monitor that. And they've actually been been getting quite a bit of action yet still. Um, but I'm definitely noticing the deer grouping up again and then just small flurries of second rut activity. But what I have seen for that has been a lot stronger than we saw during the peak rut, which is kind of weird. What does a morning setup look like for you this time of year? Um, that's the spot that I was hunting him in was basically only a morning spot. So I was just kind of trying to get in into the bedding area. Um, like this spot, it's a, it's a third acre chunk of cedars and a few hardwoods uh, down at the bottom of a big burn valley of cedars and they bed in there sometimes but a lot of times they've been just moving through it so i've been trying to get in there early early before daylight just in case anything comes back sooner and just catching them cruising back through either bedding in that pocket or moving through it on their way to where they're going to bed for the rest of the day historically do you notice any kind of a shift in bedding in nebraska this time of year uh usually yeah um a lot of times our deer will just leave because we don't have food sources that close. So we'll notice a lot of big winter herds um, along the Niobrara River and then up north towards the Missouri River on the actual ag fields. And the deer that do stick around us definitely go to thicker thermal cover like our, our south-facing slopes. And we've got some super thick areas of cedars. So they, they really congregate in those areas. Have you been seeing any sign making as of late? Um, yeah, they in the past week and a half or last week and the week and a half of that um quite a bit more rubbing activity this buck the first morning that i seen him he was making a rub uh, right west of me at like 70 yards and still pretty aggressive um a lot of a lot of chasing i'd seen in that pocket and uh they hit the scrapes pretty decent that week week and a half of where i feel like the second rutting activity was hot and heavy but between peak rut and the second rut it was pretty slow and then it's kind of slowed down again Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Nebraska? Oh, I'd say probably a 4 or 5. We don't have the greatest weather rolling in and second rutting activity I think is winding down quite a bit. So it'll probably just be more bed to food activity. All right, Garrett, congrats again on the great buck. Thanks for joining me. Yep, thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Josh Genthy from Cut 4 Outdoors in North Carolina. Now, Josh, in North Carolina, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? It's definitely been on the lower end. I'd probably say a 3, maybe a 4. 
just because we've been dealing with some weird weather. I mean, we've been having highs in the mid-70s lately, and it's really been shutting the bucks down as far as movement. Like, they're moving really late. You know, it's, it's really hard to catch them on their feet in daylight right now, or it has been. What would you identify this phase of the rut as in North Carolina? I would 100% post rut, if not already going into that winter, like that winter pattern that they have. Um, because, like, I got some bucks that, you know, they disappeared once the rut started kicking in, but they're just now starting to show back up. I think that's just a sign to them, like, they're done chasing and they're just kind of settling in and kind of locking back down in their core area on that winter pattern, just trying to feed up for the winter is probably my guess. Historically, do you usually see any kind of secondary rutting action in North Carolina? Sometimes. Um, usually, like, if I'm sitting, especially this time of year, if I see if I'm sitting on a food plot or something like that, and I only see one or two does like together, that's usually a good sign that you're gonna have whether it be a young buck or an older buck. There's gonna be something in tow for some reason. And I think it's just because it's a sign that usually the like that yearling or that younger doe is just now starting to go into heat, and or they're waiting for that moment, hoping it does. But it's it's very rare around here. I think it's more dependent on your doe numbers. If you got a lot of does, it's more common. Some places that have less doe numbers is usually less common. If you're doing some in-season scouting in that part of the country, what are some things you're looking for this time of year? I'm definitely looking for, well, you know, you can start with your fields and stuff like that, your food plot, but you're looking for browse at this time of year. Anything that's kind of greenish that the deer will browse on, whether it be briars, wheat fields, anything like that, that's their main source. Like, for some reason, it just seems to be what the deer prefer this time of year is that winter wheat kind of deal. Mainly because I don't, the only thing I've noticed is mainly the green, like anything green colored has been like a game changer as far as like what I've seen just by, you know, walking in and out of the woods, placing trail cameras, that kind of stuff. Where do you want to be running your trail cameras right now? Um, Definitely anywhere where I think the deer might be staging. So, like I said, like if you got some kind of staging area, like like a small half acre winter wheat food plot, or whether it be some um, in North Carolina, it's been kind of a dry year, and I definitely wouldn't count uh, water oaks out of the question either. Down there, like in creek bottoms and river bottoms and stuff like that, I definitely wouldn't put that out of the question. But I'm definitely going to hang them where there's where I think they might be staging at. Or possibly, you know, I keep one or two on the big grain fields that you have if you have access to one. Just that way you know what field they're trying to work towards. And then you can use that as like a starting spot and then work your way back to where you think they're staging. And then eventually you can kind of pinpoint where their core area is or what their daily routine is going to be. During post-rut, do you normally witness any kind of a shift in the bedding? Um, a little bit. Um, it's kind of like... Um, it's almost like early season bedding, kind of. So, like, your does would be bedded more, like, you know, in your cutovers and your thick stuff. But for some reason, I feel like the bucks bed on the complete opposite side. I don't know why that is, but they're definitely further off of where they're trying to feed at. They're obviously more weary just from hunting pressure. But for some reason, they're on the complete opposite side of where you think the does are. And I'm not sure why that is. But it's just one of those things that I've observed this past couple weeks. What does a morning setup look like for you this time of year? Morning setup, I'm definitely going to go towards, um, I'm actually going to look for them staging areas, to be honest with you, because I've noticed 
with the weather we're having, we're getting set like mid seventies, low seventies, and then at night it's getting down to the thirties, and those deer are lingering in the big open ag fields longer. So they're actually taking their time coming back to bed. So I would definitely look for like cutovers or anything like that where deer is going to kind of ease back through where they can get some more sunlight on their way back to bed. That would be my number one um, point of interest to say. Um, I know I got a buddy that killed a big, a giant six-pointer last year, about this time of year, doing the same thing. He had a big, giant ag field that was uh, corn one year, I think. And then he had access to hunt this big cutover like right next to it. And he said that whenever he climbed up in the tree, saw the big six in the field and it was still out there eating and it worked right through that cut over that morning and ended up giving him a good shot and let's just say he had a good morning that day going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in north carolina i'm definitely going to say if you can hold up it'll be all right right now but i'm definitely i would make it a priority to be in the tree sunday monday and tuesday this upcoming week because we're going to get, we're going to stay in the 70s, mid 60s this week, but it's supposed to drop from, we're going to get 75 Saturday, and it's going to drop all the way down to 59. And anytime you have a major temperature change like that, the bucks are always going to get up earlier. It's just like a shock to the system that first day of a cold front, whenever it's moving in. That's usually your best time and your best bet so that you're going to see some buck movement. All right, Josh, I'd like the optimism. Good luck to you and the rest of the team, and thanks for joining me. Yes, sir. No problem. All right. And joining us on the line next is Luke Thorkeldson from Weatherby in Texas. Now, Luke, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I was down in Texas last week. Uh, I'd say it was probably a nine. Um, I watched multiple bucks fighting over does right in front of me. Uh, It was pretty awesome to see um some of the other guys that are on the trip actually saw some bucks breed does um you know in texas you're in, you can feed right so people are, are hunting at feeders and it really helps watch them congregate and see what's going on so i'd say the rut activity was pretty darn high so in that part of texas do you think you were seeing some of the rutting action from the first rut or were you getting some secondary rut that's a great question. Um, it's this likely secondary rut um, because it wasn't like full bore. A lot of the little bucks were just kind of standing around um, feeding, and it was just kind of the slightly bigger guys that were still cruising around. And not every doe seemed to be hot, so I I think it was probably second or late rut. I know you said you and the other guys in camp ended up going eight for eight on bucks. Were you seeing better movement in the mornings or in the evenings? I personally was seeing better movement in the evenings. That said, I think more people killed out in the morning. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly why. Um, I, I had a great stand where I watched multiple bucks fight. It was super awesome. Um, the downside to that was that, like, the bigger boys, they, they seem to be more active in the afternoon. I never saw any of the, the big boys in the morning. What food sources were you hunting down there? Um, you know, it's a drought and, you know, this is kind of West Texas, right near, near Abilene. And, uh, there's pretty bad drought right now. So natural food, um, was, was hard to come by. So we're at feeders that are throwing corn. So, um, they were quick to come to corn. A feeder would throw 
and you got you got those usually coming out first and then bucks shortly after that um but they they were they're definitely it's itching to get on the corn quick it seems like with late season deer hunting whether you're in the south or midwest or the west you tend to have shots that are closer than when you do in early season or the rut so luke do you have a favorite cartridge for when you're in a situation where you're probably going to be taking a shot that's within like 150 yards i do yeah i you know, the name of Weatherby's game is speed, right? Speed kills. So um, I'm a big fan of the 65300. Um, it what I do different on the 65300 for hunting down in Texas is I would it, when I'm Western hunting, I'm going to run a 300 yard zero, but down in Texas, I'm going to adjust the rifle down to a hundred yard zero. So um, you know, most shots, like you said, are going to be that 100 to 150 yards. Um, I I shot my buck right at 100 yards, so uh, the, the benefit to changing the zero to a hundred yards instead of 300 is you don't have to guess where, where your bullet's going to impact or, or adjust your scope. If you have a zero stop, you want to hold, you don't want to try to guess that three and a half inches high at a hundred. Well, in mentally, then you're like, well, what's that do at 70? <laughs> so, uh, it makes it a little bit simpler system for that hundred yard zero, but the six, five, 300, uh, I was using 130 grains to Rocco, Um, and that's bad medicine for deer. I don't, we shot eight deer and, um, mine actually went 25 yards. I, I put it in the engine room, but I didn't hit the heart. Uh, but, but mine was the only buck that, uh, took a step. Every other was a DRT. And that 130 grain bullet, is that where you're going to be using from like September to December or is that different for you in late season? Yeah, it depends a little bit on where I'm going to hunt. I, I also like 156 grain, um, elite hunter, but that's better for your longer range shots. Um, that 130 grain, it's like I said, it's really bad medicine for deer and also on hogs. We shot quite a few hogs while we were down there. So, uh, we had one punch through that thick shoulder plate that people get scared of. Um, most people avoided shooting there, but we had one that hit through there and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that 130 Soraka was a really, really good, uh, bonded bullet. Maybe one of the best bonded bullets out there. And if you're in a game-rich environment like Texas, where you might encounter hogs or bobcats or nail guy or all dad, uh, when you're in a place like that where you're targeting deer, but you might encounter a wide range of game, do you have a favorite cartridge for that situation, or is it going to be the same thing? Yeah, you know, if you shoot a bobcat or coyote or something with that setup, and you want to, you know, keep the hide, you're, you're likely to have a fairly large exit hole. Um, in that scenario, uh, from our lineup, I'd be looking at like a 240 Weatherby or a 257 Weatherby, a much lighter grain bullet. Still great for deer, um, but uh, we were on a meat hunt on this on this trip. It was a kind of a field to table event, so our goal was to make sure we got meat and everybody had meat down. Um, the the slightly lighter bullets are going to definitely do the job, but it may not always drop them in their tracks, which the Texas country with the mesquites and cactus and all that, it can be really tough to find blood in dirt or in, you know, almost nothing at all. But then the, the deer run off into the mesquites. It could, it could be right in front of you. And it's just hard to see them. So our object is to just drop them right there. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Texas? I, I would say that it's going to be a little lower than what we saw because I think it was slowing down as the week went on for us. We saw the most activity at the beginning of the week. So if we were a nine before, I'm going to say that um, next week, it's, it's probably going to be closer to a five or six. All right, Luke, congrats to you and the team from Weatherby on a successful trip. Thanks for joining me.
Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line last is Kevin Vistison from the Deer Hunter Podcast in Michigan. Now, Kevin, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I'm going to go right down the middle of the pipe and say probably a 5. And the reason that I'm saying that is because uh, deer are pretty concentrated into a uh, secure area at this point in the season, having been being chased around for the better part of three months and if they feel that they are in that secure area and no one has evaded it or invaded it they will probably move uh in you know the last daylight hour um maybe throughout the morning and feed within that proximity but it's uh problematic to be able to get in and out of those areas and get into that comfort zone of theirs i'm talking probably within 100 yards of a bedded deer and with it to think that it would move outside of that area in, you know, in daylight hours is, is probably not realistic. And how do you go about locating one of those secure areas this time of year in the big woods of a state like Michigan? So, yeah, I'm going to obviously, yeah, I'm glad you specified. I'm going to be specific about what I know and what I can do. And a lot of that revolves this time of year around snow. We get some snow. I take full advantage of that getting out and, uh, you know, tracking down deer, finding tracks, finding where they're feeding, where they're bedding. It, it really, really just uh, gives them up. And so if you could take advantage of that, I've snuck out before work and, uh, you know, rearranged some plans to get out right after a snow comes at night and be able to get a really good description of exactly what is going on. Uh, without snow, it can be it can be pretty challenging. What food sources are relevant right now? Browse. Uh, most of the areas that I hunt in northern Michigan, that is the deer's food source all year. I know it, uh, you hear a lot about acorns and ag for the most part when people are asked this question. But for me in the areas that I hunt, the deer are just eating natural browse. It's probably you know 80%, maybe 90% of their diet. So they're really foraging on whatever they can get access to this time of year. Uh, cedar becomes prevalent the later we get in the season. But I'll also add, just because it's on my brain, this past weekend I noticed that deer were digging up wintergreen. And uh, I've seen that in years past. I, I never see them really eat that when there's not snow on the ground. And I wonder if that's a product of that it has an odor and they can smell it through the snow. But uh, I noticed this uh, just this past weekend that areas where there was winter green on the ground, the deer had it pawed up and, uh, you know, it almost looked like they were in there just bulldozing the stuff. Obviously morning setups can be a bit more challenging this time of year. So what does a morning setup look like for you in mid December? Yeah, I like the late morning actually, uh, it's probably my preferred time, the well, maybe the eight thirty to ten thirty window. I feel like deer are bedding before daylight and they will often get up and feed and you know shift their bed around there in the mid-morning so i like that 8 30 to 10 30 and then obviously the last hour of daylight is uh is probably your best bet this time of year but for me it just looks like getting into uh concentration of bedding being as quiet as possible and then just being prepared to sit in there through the later part of the afternoon and hoping to be able to capitalize on that late morning feeding and when they, you know, kind of shift their bed for the rest of the day. 
Historically, do you see much of a secondary rut in in that part of the country, whether it's chasing or sign making in December? Absolutely, we I, I do. Uh, we have a lot of deer here in Michigan. That's one thing that uh, we are very fortunate to have is outstanding deer numbers, which usually means uh, a lot of fawns that are the fawns, you know, a half year old deer that are potentially coming into breeding for the first time. And they often will do that in the December uh, window. So I, I have seen that before where bucks are uh, actively uh, harassing and chasing does around. And I usually see that typically, uh, you know, about that four week after what I would consider the peak of the rut here would be November 15th here in Michigan. So around that December 15th to 20th window, uh, I have seen a lot of that and uh, late morning as well. It seems like when the does are up and feeding around that I've seen a lot of bucks up cruising and looking for them doing such. Does available water factor into your decision-making at all this time of year when things are starting to ice up? Mm, I can't say that it is. I don't, I don't think, uh, I think these deer get a lot of hydration just through their natural browse is, is full of, uh, has a high percentage of water in it. So I, I don't think they actually, given that they're not exerting a ton of energy and that uh, there is no heat factor for the most part, that they can get what water they basically need through their food. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Michigan? Well, for the areas that haven't been harassed uh, these deer, uh, they're they're comfortable and they're going to continue to need to feed. And so if we get some colder temperatures, you will for sure see deer get up earlier and earlier, but it doesn't look like we're going to have that. It looks like we are going to have uh, average to above average temperatures here in late December. So I would, I would count, I would count on it being as about as low as possible. I mean, one or two, anything can happen, but I just don't see a reason why uh, most deer are going to be getting up and doing any kind of activity before uh, before under the cover of darkness. All right, Kevin, good luck with the rest of your fall. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Haunt's Rot Fresh Radio. Thanks to Garrett, Josh, Luke, and Kevin for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. And as a reminder, our one week in November series keeps going over on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. Episode five just came out yesterday. Episode six and seven will be out soon. These might be our most action-packed episodes yet. So you're not going to want to miss them. I will talk to you guys next week. And until then, stay wired to haunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. 
Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.